0: Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.
1: Once again, Billy Joel. The locals here I had to sell my home. Too proud to leave I work my fingers to the bone, so I could own my down Easter Alexa. And I go
2: where the ocean is deep. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Billy Joel A to Z. As today is one of those Billy Joel later catalog songs that you may scroll down to if you just started listening to the podcast. Of course, you won't find it in the letter D because the song is actually entitled The Downeaster Alexa. Who knew? But I can tell you this. The Downeaster Alexa is the third song off of the Stormfront album and is placed right after the super smash We Didn't Start the Fire. The Down Easter Alexa was released as either the third or fourth single, depending on what country you're in, off of the album on May 5th, 1990. That's seven months after the initial album release. Now, it only peaked at 57 on June 2nd, 1990, because you would have had to have beaten Madonna's Vogue if you wanted that top spot and good luck. Billy donated the proceeds from the single to the Fishermen of Oyster Bay, which really irked them only going to 57. The thing is, although this song only made it to 57 on the pop charts, the song has become an absolute staple in Billy's career, live performances, and most requested. Quite the miracle for your fans to love a song about the plight of the lonely fisherman. The Downeaster Alexa appears on the DVD of Live at Yankee Stadium the useless My Lives compilation album, and even though it wasn't his greatest hit, Greatest Hits Volume 3. On October 21st, 1989, Billy performed this song on another of his four appearances on Saturday Night Live. And although Kathleen Turner was somehow the hottest actress on the planet at this point, those of you who watch Friends will never understand, it was Billy's hilarious character of Joseph Besselmeyer and his silver glockenspiel that stole the show that night.
1: Are the kind of the Glockenspiel, Joseph
2: Besselmann!
1: <laughs> Jürgen? Ja, yeah, Joseph. Bisselmann du, and the musical gallant of the Glockenspiel? Oh, okay. Very, very good, very good. Ein yeah. good. Danke,
2: good. There is a hilarious music video for this song that's just as side-splitting as Allentown, which may have had something to do with its halfway climb on the charts at the time. Meanwhile, although I have not spoken to Alana about this song yet, my guess is he feels similar that the Downeaster Alexa is a perfect example of lyrics, music, and production all working together to complement each other and advance the theme of the song. And possibly at this point in time, we can say is as beloved as Summer Highland Falls by the true fan base. That all being said, Elon Altman, where do you suppose I'm adding in today crazy Christopher Bonanos <laughs> puts the not greatest hit but fan favorite, the Downeaster Alexa?
0: All right, Dave. So that good hint of putting the word crazy, that tells me something, okay? Because I wasn't sure. Chris Bonanos, we know he can kind of go off the rails a little bit. I'm guessing he did not love this song so much, but I don't think he can go too low either. So I'm going to say 59.
2: Nope, you're off. It is 75. I'm Alon, uh, he has this one below Christy Lee. Below. <laughs> Everyone knows Christy Lee is objectively a better song than this. He says one that people argue over. No, I- I've never heard anybody argue about it. Every Any Billy Joel fan loves this song. He says it comes from a good place. Long Island fishermen do indeed have it tough. He probably knows some of those guys going way back. The whole scene feels honest. But the synths and production have aged terribly, which I think both of us disagree. It's 60% of the way being a great Pete Seeger song, which is not a knock. A lot of people never get close to that. Eh, I disagree with everything he has to say in that. Uh, Glenn Gamboa puts it at 36, and the fans rank it at about 28
0: yeah, I'm there with it. I think Glenn at 36 is probably around the area that I would put it to. I think it's a really great song. I don't think Bananas is right on this one. I don't think this is aged terribly, just like you alluded to. I think other songs on Stormfront definitely aged terribly. This one works because it's a folk song. And so that weird instrumentation
2: kind of just works with like the fisherman feel. Yep. I mean, I, I think a lot of people have this. They could possibly have this in their top 10. This is the only song that survived the Stormfront album, I believe.
0: Yeah, I would even go so far as to say from The the Bridge, Stormfront, and The River of Dreams that this song is number one, two, or three, let's say, of those three albums altogether. So it's one of his best later period songs.
2: That's exactly what I said, the best later period songs. It's definitely a fan favorite. I mean, I don't know how much he's played it in concert. He played it while we were there. We were expecting him to play it. I'm sorry,
0: did he play it while we were there? Because uh, we were in the bathroom. You know why'd you gotta bring that up? (laughs) We have no real evidence. We could have just been hearing the PA system, like just the radio was playing it in the bathroom.
2: You're absolutely right. It could have been just some guy with a boombox. But uh, (laughs) I I, I get, you know, I I was pretty sure we knew he was going to play it. It was expected for him to play, uh, and obviously we didn't have a view of the audience or how they like it. I don't know. You know, it's possible that it was just hanging out with that girl, my friend Lindsay at the bar that night when she said my favorite song is the downeaster alexa and you were vindicated instantly because i couldn't believe she even said it that way and then i think somebody like that who you know is a, is a fan is a not maybe not the fans like you are i, I can't put myself we anymore the, the way i put through this podcast but uh <laughs> but you know what i mean i feel like People like this as much as I I believe they like it as much as Summer Highland Falls. I don't think any Billy Joel fan just dislikes this song. I don't think they have a problem with it either.
0: Right. I mean, you could be a fan who just says anything in his later period stinks. And I hate all of that. And and then maybe you would say, because this is part of that whole era that you don't like it either. That's just you being dishonest. I feel like if you're a fan who doesn't like this song,
2: you're being too pretentious. It's really good. It's
0: like an update to Allentown. Who doesn't like Allentown? Here's a new Allentown.
2: Yeah, and the difference between Allentown, and I agree, and certainly there are many similarities to Allentown. For some reason, Allentown is a fun song, right, which makes no sense. This is not a fun song. It is not fun in any way. The music video is horribly dull and not exciting. And yet there is something exciting about it. And you can't really put your finger on it because it's stupid. It's a stupid song. (laughs) It's a sea shanty that we've been talking about a lot, which he loves. The guy's playing an accordion, and yet there is something magical and unbelievable about this song. Even watching him play it on Saturday Night Live, sitting there with this just a little four-piece band he's got behind him, that violinist girl, and he's got the accordion with him. It kicks off where you're like, I'm already in.
0: You're right, because Liberty hits the drum so hard and it starts out with a bang. It really does. And it's kind of cool to hear him play the accordion because you don't know until the song. No one really knew that this was another instrument in his wheelhouse, but apparently it's a thing he can do. I mean, I knew, of course, because I always have that Zoom background of him in the 70s holding an (laughs) accordion. We always thought there was a prop. But then uh, apparently he was always practicing on this thing. Yeah, that, that girl violinist is great.
2: And the thing is, when you see him play the accordion, when you actually watch him play, it even makes the song more exciting because, you know, accordions are stupid, even though, uh, again, you were vindicated by, was it She Got Away or one of those songs where Josh Groban played it on Stephen Colbert or something, You Got Me Into It. And no, it it, it wasn't scenes from the time. Whatever it was, somebody added an accordion in. I can't remember the song. Just recently.
0: I think it was She's Got Away or She's Always a Woman. I think it was one of those. Yeah,
2: yeah, one of those. And, oh, I was like, wow, you know what? You were right. The accordion made it better somehow. Because normally the accordion just stinks. Besides that and the Mo Green scene from The Godfather, really the accordion is just a really crappy instrument. But watching him play it and then hearing it, I was like, "I I don't know. I guess he found a way to play the accordion tough and cool and really Get the most you can from one instrument that's normally just crap.
0: Yeah, there's something in like the power when he's going in and out with it. You can see like the the muscles that you need to do that. And it's almost yeah. like he's working hard, like how these fishermen are working hard. Yeah,
2: exactly. And that's something that's really something. You're right. He's working hard on this. So that's why I enjoy seeing it live like that. You know, even that that it was captured on Saturday Night Live forever. And watching him work his muscles and work it because it is it does make the song more powerful. Obviously, his his voice is perfect for this. And, he you know, he sings it well. It's really an interesting, uh, very much like Allentown. Sometimes I was thinking it to like Copacabana, where, you know, these lyrics are so stupid. Why do I love this song?
0: I'm on the Downeaster, Downeaster Alexa. (laughs) And I'm cruising Block Island Sound. I am tired of course <laughs> through the vineyard. <laughs> um, yeah, right. It's I've an,
2: got and children who need booze. That's what I thought the lines were. <laughs> <laughs> booze. And children who need booze. I-, I thought those were the lines until I just recently saw. Oh, it's clothes. That it should be booze, so though, right?
0: Because these fishermen, they're so blue collar that their kids are drunks.
2: Exactly. You can picture their kids just... Uh, Having the beers and doing the 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 art the elbow thing that we right the elbow
0: because it's a sea shanty like you said exactly his whole career we knew there were all these little seedlings he wants to write a sea shanty and put it on an album and he finally did it right near the end of the career
2: you're right he finally got what he wanted he'd probably been planning this for years god damn it I want to make a Boats, maritime, all this kind of nonsense, storm front, the Beauregard meter. What is that stupid thing? The Beaufort Beaufort scale. And then he finally hit pay dirt with this song that we should just absolutely be angry about that it exists and that we love it so much.
0: I feel like back in 1972, he wrote Great Ships and Great Oceans and was like, wait, bide your time, Billy. Don't put it out yet. Put out 11 albums. That's when you do it. Album 11, that's the sea shanty. You'll never see it
2: coming. But boy, it is a strange, magical song. Everybody kind of knew this one. They, I mean, it's so weird. Again, we just did Temptation. We were talking about it's about Alexa. This song isn't about Alexa, and yet it is because we know he named the boat after her, and everybody knew it, too. And there were definitely people like, oh, come on. But it's also a gutsy call to make a sea shanty that people think so, somehow about your daughter. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it always confused
0: me. I didn't know a downeaster was a type of boat. So whenever I would hear this song, I thought of like nor'easter, like a storm. I knew it was about like a fisherman. So I thought it's about a storm at sea. And I was like, what does it mean? I'm on the downeaster Alexa. It, did, those words didn't make sense to me. It was almost like when you hear like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and you're like, what is that? Ruth.
2: Right, right. Oh, that's a good example. Right. If you're here, I think that's a nationwide place. I never understood that either. I always thought they I didn't know what the hell they were saying until I saw it on the sign. Oh, that's weird. Right. Ruth's Chris Ruth's apostrophe. Right. Yeah. Chris Steakhouse. Yeah. So the downeaster, the downeaster is a style of lobster type fishing boat used wise widely throughout the northeastern United States. It was not invented by any one company or person. It describes a boat built in or in the style of those built in down east Maine. They're not seaworthy boats. And apparently they have long open back decks and small working cabins. They are mostly designed for a lobster men, which is the story he was trying to tell. So, you know, even though we didn't know what a downeaster was, that's how good a song is when it doesn't make a difference.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's very interesting that it's a, not a seaworthy boat. So these are guys yeah. who are in the bay. They can't. If this thing ever went off into the ocean, they're screwed. And he uses that phrase a lot, baymen. Yeah. Which I looked up. That just means a fisherman who lives or works on a bay. But i never have heard that phrase besides in this song.
2: Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know whether you knew this. Uh, I just found this out. But this song was written by Billy and his boat captain. Did you hear about that? Did not hear that. Yeah. He gave that. He said, well, apparently, I guess he had a a captain that, you know, Billy Joel's rich. He sells his own boats, but he probably also has a captain when, you know, he brings his family out. You know, why wouldn't he? Right. So apparently he was very friendly with this guy. And he was like, I want to write this song. Give me some ideas. And he was like, why don't you call it Downeaster or something? That's the name you're looking. He was like, I'm looking for the name of a boat. I'm looking for the name of a boat. So then the captain gave him the name of the Downeaster. And then he also apparently helped him with a whole bunch of other lines, too.
0: And then Billy Joel said, here, sign this thing right here that says that you do not have any rights to the song's royalties.
2: No, it was weird. Um, he he gave him all this stuff. And then Elizabeth Weber appeared on this boat out of nowhere. <laughs> no, those, the
0: captain hat. pulled off a mask and it was Elizabeth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. The The whole Mission Impossible gag. Right.
0: But uh, I bet the guy just gave him like a list. Like, here's 10 local references you could stick into this song. We're going to use Block Island Sound and Montauk and Gardener's Bay and like all these things that make you think this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I took on Diesel back in Montauk, <laughs> left from the bell in Gardener's Bay. All right. You talk the talk.
2: Well, it's still it's funny to write a song, put out a single that you're trying to say the plight of the fisherman, which no one cares about. No one thinks about and then I was thinking, what we're taping this in August of 2022. What one Best Picture of the Year this past year in 2022, which was technically a 2021 movie?
0: Well, I don't know. Actually, I can't even remember. Coda. Was that about fishermen?
2: A story about a, a fisherman whose business guy going, they can't hear. They're deaf. It's a story about a deaf family of fishermen. <laughs> and they have one daughter that can hear. So It's a terrific movie. Turns out my friend's wife wrote it and directed it and then she won um that's pretty cool yeah it's a guy a friend of mine from college yeah and so this movie again about fishermen every once in a while when people write about fishermen it does really well because it's one of those professions and things no one thinks about ever even when you're eating lobster you're not thinking how did this get caught yeah, because we all know it's
0: dangerous and we don't even want to think about how much work went into us eating this piece of tuna.
2: Ironically, I was watching that Seinfeld episode today with the um the the you know where they're at the, the beach in Long Island the and marine Kramer biologist? Steals... No, no, no. We're oh Kramer... the lobster pot. Where he steers the the steals the lobster traps and then that guy gets mad at him and tells him, My dad worked his fingers to the bone to work on those lobsters every day. Like, out of nowhere, the guy all of a sudden is... Fa- th- th- I refuse to believe that guy's father was a fisherman. He had this beautiful house in the Hamptons and stuff like that. But he was so mad at Kramer. I just watched it today. That's why it was so weird. I'm like, boy, people are very angry about those lobster traps.
0: Yeah, I always thought that... I agree with you. That that character, seemed it seemed wrong. The way he looked and the house he lived in, that all of a sudden his dad was this working-class I'm, I'm glad you
2: felt that way, too. So here's the... It, it, on the flip side of that, and I've mentioned this before on this show, Sting tried to make a Fisherman Broadway play, which I saw, which was one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. He made a musical called The Last Ship. But but now that I think about it, it wasn't about fishermen. It was about shipbuilders. And maybe that's why it failed. It was about guys who were building ships and their profession was going out of business. It was just bad. And the problem is Sting wrote all the songs and they're all Sea shanties, you know, <laughs> but Sting shouldn't be writing sea shanties. It's just not right. Billy Joel makes a lot of sense. We know he loves sea. We know he loves the sea. We know he loves the ocean. His whole career has been that. Sting is just, you know, th- he doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. Where are we thinking that Sting knows about shipbuilding? Where has right. that
0: been in his career? He was a teacher before he was a musician.
2: Meanwhile, Billy Joel, his first job was raking clams. See? And so the thing about Sting is, he writes this music. It's not very good. Then they start putting in Sting songs, which make it a little better, like All This Time, which is one of my favorite songs and very much in a way a sea. I, I picture it as Sea goes, He goes, All This Time, the river flows. And then you're thinking of the water and they sing it in this musical. But then you're like, It's not very good because Sting's not singing it. So it's losing something. And then because it was dying, Sting came into the show and tried to single-handedly save it by actually being in the show, and even he couldn't save his own show. Another failure for Sting. He's not Billy Joel. H- wouldn't it be hilarious if Billy Joel came into moving out? Then he just started playing one of the cast members. <laughs>
0: it would be awesome. Yeah. Imagine him doing the dancing. If he yeah. He's not even there to be the guy playing piano, playing himself. He's one of the
2: dancers down below. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I feel like that would somehow be a smash. It would and be a St- curiosity. He's an least. actor. Sting's been on Broadway. I've seen him in multiple things and he still couldn't save it.
0: Well, the difference is, like you said, Sting's musical was new songs and then some of his older music. It, Billy Joel didn't move in now. It's all of his hits. So, of course, yeah. that would be good. Like about the song, well, I like a lot about the song, but I like the yah the yas, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's just kind of a strange thing, it's almost like his um ba, 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 ba,
2: ba, yeah, but ba. it's better, but it works this time,
0: right? It does work, and also um, as a fan of South Park, I don't know if you're a fan of South Park. I sure I am. Yeah, okay. So, do you know the uh there was one season where Stan's father, Randy, was pretending to be the singer Lord, <laughs> yeah. right? He was just basically it was just him with a wig, he still has a mustache, but he is Lord. That. Yeah. And so he would always sing, "I am Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> so whenever
2: I hear the "yeah, yeah, yeahs," I just picture it's this... not just "yeah, yeah, yas right? It's
0: "yeah, yeah, yeah, yo." Right, right. He puts a "yo" because he's from New York, so we're cool. We say
2: "yo." yo. Right. Uh, actually, it is because of me that South Park became popular. I had the initial five to seven minute tape that I'd gotten from somebody on a VHS, and I shared it with everybody.
0: Oh, so you're one of those people, like
2: George Clooney also was an early sharer. I yeah, heard. I was one of those people. I shared it with everybody. We thought it was the great. Before there were viral videos, there was this South Park videotape that everybody had. Oh, wow. I can't believe it. You're one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. I got a very early copy from, I think the president of Comedy Central gave it to me. And they were like, you should see this thing these guys just sent me. And, he and gave you me were like, copy. green light this project immediately. <laughs> Um, I would love to be a part. Oh, you weren't asking me to. <laughs> I guess we talk about a little bit, even though this isn't our thing, but you know, we read about it uh, musically, the way the, the rhythm of the song goes. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah, I did. It's a one three beat. And it all means something. So they say with the emphasis on the first and third beat of a measure. Rather than the second and fourth beat, which is most popular, even though we couldn't know that, but somebody like a Paul Lauren, of course, would know that. That somehow mimics the rhythm of the waves, the movement of the sea. And he said, I tell the drummer to play backwards, where I guess he tells Liberty to play backwards on the one and three, which sounds like waves coming in. That apparently the one and three gives it the sea shanty essence. He is quoted as saying that. I I can't imagine because
0: to me it's the same thing. It's still a beat every two beats, right? But why does one three mean that? But he was describing it in this one talk where he's mentioned that like the two four is like soul music and the one three he said is like white people with overbites. Right. He's saying like how it's like such an unsettling rhythm.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Well, apparently also the use of accordion and fiddle often are associated with folk music or common people's music which, you know, also helps, you know, because remember he, he was saying, I've been trying to write uh, an original folk song from the beginning. Like he's been, like you said, with great ships and great oceans, I he's been trying to write this song, his entire career. And he hit it on the 11th album. They also say that the fiddle solo in particular helps give the song a sense of urgency and the frantic the frenetic pace at which the work is done. On the boat, yeah, so I can see that
0: the, the speed of the of the fiddle going is kind of like you picture this the fisherman pulling on the ropes and you know getting yes. the sail up or whatever they're doing.
2: So it's a very intricate song for such common folk of what he's talking about. It's a very intricate folk song, if indeed it is considered a folk song,
0: yeah. And then also, he's talking about how the fiddle is like this common man instrument, but the guy who he has fiddling on the song is Itzhak Perlman.
2: Right. Who <laughs> they could not put on the album. They could not credit because his record label found out there was some sort of dispute. So they, he is credited as world famous incognito violinist. <laughs> and now we know it is cock Perlman because he has uh, come to MSG and performed it with him on occasion. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I saw the video from 2015 when he was there and it's kind of cool because he comes out on his little motor scooter. And oh, uh, does? <laughs> yeah, because he he had polio as a kid, so he doesn't really walk around much. So he zooms onto the onto the uh, stage. And then it, it's a great rendition. Billy Joel sounded great. Pearlman really knew what he was doing, although apparently in the actual studio recording, it's like Pearlman was playing it too fast and like couldn't figure out like wh- what the beat was on the song. And so they had to just take what he did and then like step it back a little bit. Mm. So they in post production, they fixed it. And now he knows how to play it perfectly. Now he knows. You know, another rare thing about the live versions of this song is that we get to see Mark Rivera playing guitar. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Even on the SNL one. Like at first they have that close shot where you only see like Billy Joel and Liberty and the two girls. Yeah. And then from the side angle, you see Mark is like almost off stage playing
2: guitar. Yeah. Boy, that I gotta say that Saturday night live performance is is so entertaining. Uh, you know, um, no, well I'll save it for we didn't start the fire. i I think I was there. Was that the same night? That was the second performance, and the first one was "We Didn't Start the Fire." Exactly. So I I saw the dress rehearsal that night, that day or something. I saw him rehearsing, but I'll save that for "We Didn't Start the Fire." But I'm pretty the sure I pretty sure. I saw him perform that just for me, like not not in the dress rehearsal or the actual show, but just for me. It was really exciting. That's so really maybe cool. that's what even makes the song that special. But it wouldn't matter anyway. This is a special song, special in the sense that this is a very difficult song to say to your fans. <laughs> you put out a We Didn't Start the Fire, which is, you know, which we'll get to, but you can question everything about that. But it goes to number one. And then you're asking them, well, you might also like this. I mean, this is so far removed from We Didn't Start the Fire. And it comes on after We Didn't Start the Fire in the album. But, boy, it really is a special song. And I, I really do believe. And I, unfortunately, yeah, we weren't there. We were in the bathroom. So we don't know how the audience was reacting live. But I, I think they I still think this works. But we'll have to go again to, to make sure that we're right about that.
0: Yeah, well, the good thing is he does play this a lot. So if we go again, there's a good chance we would hear it again.
2: OK, so what are the live stats on this? I mean, my guess is played it all the time for the Stormfront tour. And then I'm going to guess he probably took a break and now it's, and now it's like summer Highland falls over the years has become a a classic. And like you said, probably the number one song off those last three albums.
0: Yeah. So he plays it a ton, 269 plays and that's a lot for a song that didn't come out until 1989. So it's the 26th most played song. And basically the last few years, and beyond there's not really any breaks here he just always has it in the, in the oh, playlist he
2: always does have it okay,
0: it's not wow. always but it's like you can see if you look at any year you'll see like at least 10 shows where he's playing this song
2: yeah so he enjoys playing it too and and of course it means something to uh the people and i suppose if there are people that are fishermen that got tickets that night or whatever they probably like it it's yeah all eight you know, of them this is their good night saigon you know for the vets he you know, should have so. fishermen on stage like arm in arm going back and forth. I can't believe he doesn't. I can't believe he doesn't have the gay caballeros in like fishing gear or something like that. I mean, what's he really missing out? Where you could really be doing some real interesting stuff on stage, <laughs> or a giant lobster in a picture. On the that screen. would be good too. Guy in lobster costume, <laughs> because that would be perfect to make fun of it. Yeah, hey, we're just joking around. This isn't a serious song.
0: Well, it would be like that SNL where they did Good Night Saigon, but it was kind of funny, but also poignant. The
2: Will Ferrell one. Yeah,
0: yeah, it would be like that. But all of a sudden, there's there's like Horatio Sands and a lobster.
2: <laughs> I got bills to pay and children who need booze. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's fish out there, but we're
0: got only news. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of the rhymes in this song, what's weird is like he never rhymes with the word Alexa. That's always just, it's the end of the first line oh. of the chorus, but Alexa, he never even attempt it. And I also, I like how he ends every verse with a word that then rhymes with the first half of the Downeaster Alexa line. Like well, the last line would be like, too proud to leave. I worked my fingers to the bone so I could own my Downeaster Alexa.
2: Wow. That's cool. I never noticed that before.
0: Yeah. And then later on. But I got people back on land who count on me. So if you see my Downeaster Alexa.
2: That's huh? cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it really is a good rhyme scheme. And we know he's a good lyricist. And But it is kind of funny to have one album where it's just all this sea information. And the funny thing is, is, you know, when we wrap up this album, where you know, Billy Joel does theme albums. We know that. So you could call this his maritime album, but you can't it's just these two songs this is what it is it's his maritime
0: and marriage time album
2: nice <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny to have you know stormfront with all that nonsense and then this one with a whole additional bunch of nonsense and terms that should not be in a rock song right what he works
0: this song should have been mentioning shortwave radio you should have taken that out of stormfront put it there into this know. song you figured it out Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion
2: of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yes. And it is set up perfectly. It could be complicated or not. But like I said, throughout this episode, it has been set up. In May of 2022, at MSG, Billy Joel said he had, this is May. This is only a couple months ago. Billy Joel said he had an IV of vitamins that beats the shit out of cocaine. I don't know whether you saw that. No. Only a few months ago cocaine's been a major force in Billy Joel' songs we know about Big shot and I've loved these days there's probably a couple other mentions maybe I'm not thinking of
0: that's all I could think of
2: yeah that's all I could think of too the downeaster Alexa the the party song that it is can you find the cocaine reference in this song Ooh, okay so I'm gonna look I'm gonna look at the lyrics I think I'm allowed to do that right you're totally allowed to do it but it's
0: a trick question all right cocaine reference
2: a good captain can't fall asleep no no it is actually the word cocaine but in slang terms from a 1983 motion picture stripers nope sword fishing with al pacino
0: okay 83 al pacino you even
2: said it earlier today in this okay. episode, so the movie is Scarface. That's correct. Diesel, no,
0: it should be diesel. I feel like diesel should be a cocaine slang. It i'm just is. gonna go to
2: every single word in, in the song, no, but you won't get it because you're probably they might not even have the words where you're looking because only some of them do. The answer is yayo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what's up?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. That was not listed where I was looking. I got a yayo, man
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: hey yo he's talking about cocaine man that's what he's using the boat for listen exactly listen you got the the the, the boats the frogmen you know with the satellites and they got stuff you gotta move that shit no you can you gotta go you gotta make a move man listen hey Sosa you got a problem with me make a move I never liked him I never trusted to him I like you Tony. There's no lying in you. Don't you ever fuck me, Tony. Now you listen to me, you little monkey. Hey, who you're talking to? Should I just <laughs> continue? Or... Yeah, I keep, I'm, I'm not <laughs> interrupting.
0: because I want to see the whole movie. I, I think I can do the whole thing.
2: You still got the money? Yeah. And I got the Yale. You got the Yale?
1: Yeah,
2: right.
1: Bring it here. Fuck you.
2: That. Is our problem, Tony? It's due to go on 60 Minutes next week. We have a problem, Tony. <laughs> I can do all the characters. Do Michelle oh, Pfeiffer. Oh, you're a big man. You know something about cocaine? I give you $5,000. <laughs> now well, doing I- F. Marie Abraham. <laughs> okay, now do uh, do Tony's sister. I can't. Okay. <laughs> I thought I could. I, I like Julio. He's nice. I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> on. Why don't you take me out? I see the way you look at me, Manolo. (laughs) That was good. Thank you. Tony Montana is
0: crazy. I don't think he's like a well-balanced individual at all. I
2: I don't think. Well, the cocaine messes him up. And he made it clear. Never, you know, get high on your own supply. They say it over and over again. What the hell? But you got to admit, he's good at interior decorating. That house was awesome. Oh, my God. That house is. That's what every person who gets rich wants. Yeah, I want a fountain that says the world is yours. Yes, it's one of the best movies ever. Ever. Brian De Palma.
1: Say hello to my little friend!
2: Uh, anyway, Alan, do you have a trivia question for me about the Downeaster Alexa? I do.
0: My trivia question is, Itzhak Perlman is a distant cousin of what Canadian stand-up comedian? Howie Mandel.
2: That's correct. <laughs> Why do I know? I don't know. But you knew that. I did know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> uh, I think the reason I know is one of my friends handles Itzhak, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. Itzhak Perlman. Um, she worked for a class because she handled him and a bunch of those other classical guys that you've heard of, that you've actually heard of. And I think she told me that a long time ago.
0: No, oh. I thought I was going to have to give you some hints, but you got it. So that's yeah. even better. That's a good one, though. Who would have thought? Yeah, very strange. There's like polar opposites of the entertainment world highbrow to lowbrow. I I don't
2: know. We don't know. Maybe it's like Perlman's very funny.
0: Well, he might be because in that MSG performance, uh, Billy Joel makes a funny comment towards Itzhak, and Itzhak instantly got what Billy was trying to insinuate. So he has a sharp mind.
2: You said he comes out in a bike like a clown. I mean, what more do you want? (laughs) And has a funny red nose on. It's very strange. All right, Alan. this, the way you were already doing some of the lines, this screams of an awesome parody. What do you got for us today?
0: All right. So my parody for the Downeaster Alexa is called I Can't Eat All My Breakfast.
2: That's fucking horrible. That is <laughs> that, the worst. that title sounds terrible. <laughs> that title sounds terrible. <laughs> terrible. I, I can not tell you the disappointment that had to have gone out to all of our listeners. They 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 know you'll pull it together, but that title stinks. Okay.
0: I told mom I can't eat all my breakfast, but she said I can't leave till I do. I had wanted to go to my friend's house, but instead I have chewing to do. She gave me scrambled eggs and bacon just to start. Jimmy Dean sausages and a bowl of Lucky Charms. I said I'm full, I cannot take another bite. But mom just said, what happened to your appetite? But I am right, I can't eat all my breakfast. And now she's serving a bagel with lox. Who does she even think that she is feeding the New York Mets and the Boston Red Sox?
2: (laughs) Hey, now. Well, I'll say you redeemed yourself. The rhyming scheme was okay. Thank you. I I, I don't think that was pretty. You know, again, now I just hear Paul Lawrence singing it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be brilliant when he does it. And that's a good one he'll do. I mean, if he can play that, that'll be great. I'll accompany him on the accordion. Okay, good. I was like, we need an accordion. So, someone, one of you guys has to be on the accordion. I mean, how difficult can that be to play, please? And I'll get on the fiddle. Perfect. That can't be really difficult either. I mean, look, they have women. So, back and forth, back and forth. They got a girl playing that at Saturday Night Live, right? How difficult can that be? Am I right? Hey, right (laughs) along. You know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, women, you've been just (laughs) out.
0: You've been just out. That's right. Well, folks, that was the Downeaster Alexa. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you agree with Dave that this could be as revered by fans as Summer Highland Falls? What do you think of Billy Joel's sea shanties? Should Billy give credit to the boat captain who helped on this song? And when Billy says, "Yayo," yeah, yo, is he singing about cocaine? Absolutely. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Tony And this is Billy Joel A to Z. I
1: was a baby like my father was before. Can't make a living-